Welcome to this week's podcast from Capital Church's Young Adult Service. We hope this message encourages you, and thank you for joining us. I hope you came more than just to meet someone or hang out with someone or see someone you think is cool or even just spend time in worship. I love worship, but worship is just like the like appetizer to get our hearts ready to receive what God wants to say and do. So who's ready to receive? You ready? I feel like I'm not totally convinced. I feel like 20% of you are ready. And then 80% of you are like, prove it to me, lady, prove it to me. And you know what? I will, I will. Challenge accepted. And I will try and prove it to you. Um, But yeah, we started this series and I wanted to preach it two weeks ago. And then two weeks ago, mom, (laughs) these days, I I was supposed to preach it two weeks ago and then last week and then but here I am, third weekend, you guys, and I'm going to preach on priests. And I'm very, very excited. And um, if you hear a little boy screaming somewhere, that's just my nine-month-old just running our lives, you know? And um, we love every second of it. But hey, I want to give a shout-out to my favorite girl in the room, and that's my Ida over there. Ida, you have been one of the most faithful, awesome amazing girls. She's been at more camps than any of you will ever probably go in your lifetime. And she's been a faithful part of Capital Young Adults. She's going to transition into some other things. So we're not going to see her on Sunday nights, but I just want to give, can we give, and I just want to, I want to honor my sweet Ida. Can we give Ida a standing ovation for just being the most faithful, the most faithful attender. She loves Jesus and she loves the presence of God. And we love you so much, Ida. You're my special girl. Come on. I've known Ida. How long have I known you, Ida? How many years? Yeah, at least. How old were you when you came here, Ida? You think? 10? You think 10, 12? What do you think? Something like that. But anyway, Ida's, Ida and I have been friends for a really long time, and we're going to be friends forever. But uh, hey, we're going to talk about priests. If you want a title, I don't know if, I'm, if this is the title, but I liked it, you know? And I feel like the only person that's going to think it's really cool is maybe Rob and maybe Lindsay, but I don't know. I just felt like when I wrote the title, I thought Rob was going to go, oh, like that. I felt that as I wrote it. So if you don't, don't try. Don't, you don't have to pretend, okay? But the title of my talk tonight is Priests. We are priests, not prohibitionists. Did you like it? Yes. Uh, I got Pastor Rob to like it. We're priests, not prohibitionists. And um, I'm just, I want to break down a little bit before I even get into scripture. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess up my own way of preaching. I'm not going to get to the scripture quite yet. Are you going to be okay with that? Like I'm out of the rhythm where we're not going to read the scripture and then I pray and then I tell a funny joke. We're not going to do that. Okay. We're going to mix it up. I don't know how it's going to go, but it's going to go. Okay. Cause the Lord is with us. Um, but one of the things I'm noticing in our culture today um, is it, it reminds me a lot about my Declan. And of course I'm going to tell a story about my son because that's all my life is revolved around at this point in my life. Okay. Is a nine month old who literally controls my life and I love it. Um, but he's nine months, so he's starting. Have you ever seen a um, army crawl? He doesn't fully crawl yet. You know the difference between a crawl. Have you ever seen a baby like actually crawl on their four, you know on all fours, or you seen army crawl where they're like on the gr- crawl, <laughs> crawl, and they're on the ground, and he just uses one arm, but he gets around fast. This kid can this kid can get from one side of the room to the next faster than we can move and pick him up. So this morning, 
he was army crawling all over the living room. And we, we bought him this cool mat from Amazon. Love, little shout out to Amazon Prime. Can we just give the Lord some praise for that? There are some things I can, I can, I can maybe get rid of, but that's one I cannot. Um, two days, come on. Get the Lord some, give the Lord praise for two days. Two days shipping, Amazon Prime, it's worth it. Um, and so... Uh, we, we bought him this mat and it's awesome, you guys. It's like cool and it like, it fits the, like the, the aesthetics of our home because God forbid, you know, your house is ruined by child, um, toys. And it is like our whole house is, I sold furniture because we didn't have room for it anymore. Just get ready over there. You guys are having babies all not row. You guys get ready. You got to get rid of your furniture. Um, because all of a sudden you have like these swings and you have like play pens and you have jumpers and you have, I mean all the, and it's, it's ugly. It's terribly ugly. It ruins the decor of your home. Um, but I was like, okay, well, I can control the mat. Let's make it look cool. So I ordered one that kind of fit the aesthetics and I was proud of it. And so was Garrison and he put it together and we're like, here, buddy, the kid does not spend any time on that mat. He's off that mat in five seconds flat. He loves to be under the furniture. It's like his favorite thing. He's, yeah, he's like rolling around under furniture because that's what he does. He's like, why would, I, why would I obey by being on this piece of like mat that you've created? It's to protect his little head, you know, because we have wood floor and all this stuff. And so I'm trying to like protect my child. He is all over the place. This morning, I, uh, Garrison had him this morning to give me like a little bit more extra sleep because, because this child just doesn't love to sleep. So neither does his mom. I don't, I mean, I love to, I just don't get to. Um, so Garrison's ladies, and I get out and he, I come out into the kitchen and he goes, oh, guess what? He got into the plant over there. And I was like, what do you mean he got into the plant? And he's like, well, he got into like the dirt and stuff. And I was like, oh my, did he eat it? And he's like, yeah, he ate it. I was like, oh my. I'm like, what the, like, were you watching him? Like, and he, like, he's like, you can't get to that kid that far. I mean, you could be looking five seconds later, he's over in the corner. I mean, we already have to like childproof it. Like he's trying, he, he, today he discovered the outlets and the, I don't know what it's called, but what's the little thing that's the door that, the behind the, the door stopper. Like he just, he discovered it today. I'm like, oh great. Here's a whole new dimension of my life right now where I have to deal with that. But there's this, it's this ironic thing about this kid is that he, we're always having to pick him up and put him back where he's supposed to be. Always. I feel like half my day is picking up my son from dangerous places that he should not be. And I'm doing it because I love him and I don't want him to be harmed. So I'm picking him up from underneath furniture that if he's lifted his head, I mean, it's, those corners are sharp or away from plants that have crap in the soil that he's apparently eating. And I'm, I'm trying to save this kid's life. You know, I'm trying to get him away from outlets. I'm like, he sees cords and he's like, fun, let's gnaw on them. No, you don't gnaw on cords. Like I spend half my day trying to protect my son and put him back in the place of safety. And guess what he keeps doing? He looks at me and he's like, oh, that's cool, mom. And then he goes right back into the places he's not supposed to be. And as I think about it, I think that's so much our culture today is that God spends so much time He's always working at getting you back into a place of safety, back into a place of, uh, of freedom. He gets you back into a place that he wants you to be, that he knows you will thrive, and that's good for you. And God never does it to harm us. But yet, I feel like we look at so much of what God asks us to do, and we look at, and it's back to the story of creation, it's back to the Genesis account, which is, we look at all these things and we think, oh, God prohibits this, God prohibits this, God prohibits this. God is just a big prohibitor. He just, he just doesn't want us to do anything. I don't know if you've ever said this, but you've probably thought it. Like, God doesn't even want us to have fun. Maybe you don't say God, but you're like, Psh. 
Our pastors are so mean. They don't even want us to have fun. Oh yeah, I don't want you to do drugs and die. I am the worst. Come on. But we think about God in this kind of form and we forget that what God does is he's not trying to prohibit. And furthermore, who cares if he did? He's God, he could. But why do we focus so much on the prohibition instead of focusing on what it means to be a priest? When God rescued me, he rescued me for a reason. He paid a price to rescue me. You were saved by a very expensive price. And he didn't go and go on a cross and save you and rescue you and redeem you and get you out of junk and sin and mire and all that crap that the world has just so you can crawl back over into it. So God in his grace and his mercy and his love and his goodness and his faithfulness, what does he do? He just goes, come on, I'm going to pick you up, you little stinker. I'm going to keep bringing you right back to the place of safety. But we still look at God and we look at church and we look at what it means to be a Christian and we still think, Psh, it's just about what we can't do. And it's just all these rules and it's this stuff and I just want to, I want to go, I want Jesus, but I also want to do all these things. And we, have, we are looking at it from the wrong vantage point. Have you ever, do you remember these things? I don't, you guys are so young and I'm so old. And I realize that every time I use these analogies. So just bear with me. And if somebody in the house remembers, please make me feel better. But when I was growing up in the mall, the Boise Town Square, um, BTS. Isn't that Boise Town Square? Yeah, okay. Um, not, the, not the group, not the band, but the actual mall that was way before the group. And um, I would go down to Boise Town Square and they had, you know, the kiosks, but they used to have one of those, um, the ones where they had those pictures where you'd look at the picture, but there was a picture within the picture. Anybody remember this? And you'd, I mean, some people, and I mean, they probably have this stuff like online and they have books of it or whatever, um, but you'd stare at it and there'd be like a dolphin. But when I saw it, it was like a dragon or something, or all I saw was water. I don't know. I like, I never saw the picture. Like people are like, people would just be like walking and they'd be like, oh my God, a dolphin. I've been there for 45 minutes. I'm like, where? <laughs> Explain to me where the dolphin is. And they're like, oh my God, it's right there, weirdo. Like, but it's this weird picture of, uh, of, of what it means, I think, in this, in this understanding of as we follow Jesus and as, as God has called us to be uh, uh, people who see God, we, start, we, we tend to see the wrong thing. We have the wrong perspective. I see God doesn't want me to do this. Or, 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 or we look at the church today, and, and this drives me crazy. People are like, the church is in a bad place right now. And I'm like, really? I think the church has never been in a better place. Perspective. POV, right? <laughs> Trying to use your language. <laughs> oh, by the way, total t side note. Don't let me lose my train of thought, but I, 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 this is how old I am. You guys, I'm sorry I'm random, but I have to get this out. Okay, TBH. Okay, y'all don't know what TBH means. You use it wrong. It means to be honest, but the kids these days, the way they use TBH, I'd have my 13-year-old, oh, some of you guys don't even know, my 13-year-old niece had to explain to me, when somebody goes on her, ask your questions, they go, she's like, TBH, and then she'd be like, you are so amazing, I love you, and I'm like, what is, I don't understand why you said that, Kenzie, and she's like, oh my gosh, TT, when someone says TBH, they're telling you, they want you to give them a compliment, like, and I was like, what, that's not how you use TBH. Seniors, is that how you use TBH? Where are the young people? Okay, nobody knows TBH. Anyway, moving on. That's what the 13-year-olds in Orange County are telling me. So here we are, we have this wrong perspective. 
We look at something and we see it not the way that God intended to see it. I think as Christians, we forget that what we're called to be is priests, not all these other things. So we've been looking at things wrong. And if you look at something wrong, guess what? You're not gonna act right. Like you can't go to a job and think you're the manager and find out you're not the manager. Like you're the one on the bottom of the whatever, like you're, you're the furthest thing from the manager. But if you walk in like going, I'm the manager and I'm gonna show up when I want and I'm gonna tell you what to, it doesn't work like that. The real manager is gonna show up and go, uh, what you think you're doing? Right? We have to know who we are so we can function as we're called to. And we have been called to be priests. See, kings and priests were crucial throughout the text. All throughout the Old Testament, there's kings and priests, right? Kings are ruling and priests are ruling in the religious world. And they're there not to just be uh, a lording over people, but priests were the great mediators before we had Jesus. So now I'm going to move into the text. Revelation chapter one gives us this beautiful picture. John um, has this vision, right? And it's apocalyptic, right? Uh, some scholars would say this, that actually the book of Revelation should have been called apocalypse, but the people didn't understand that term. We, we know it now, apocalypse. We, I mean, like, people like know it. We're afraid of, we think, of, we think the, basically we're living in an apocalypse, right? It's like something weird all the time is happening. But the people of John's day wouldn't have understood that term, so he uses the word revelation in the Greek. And, but essentially, it is this picture of this, of this revelation and this end time of what life is supposed to be and, and this picture and this prophetic image of what God's going to come and do. And so John has this vision, and he's writing it down. This is late in his life, too, so he's experienced a lot of probably prophetic moments with, with God, you know, and, and getting this picture. And so he writes in Revelation chapter one, he says, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending the angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the, to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear. Blessed are you who hear tonight. Come on, church. And who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. Verse four, this is is the the bulk of the text tonight that I want to get to the next couple verses. Verse four says this, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Verse five, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings on earth, to him who loves us. I love this verse so flippin' much. I wish I could literally preach an exegetical message. Maybe one day I will on every single word of this verse. To him who loves us and freed us. Another translation says washed us. Who washed us from our sins by his blood. Just come, oh my God, you don't love the Bible as much as you should love the Bible. Because when I read this, I mean, people should be weeping when we understand what this text means. To him who loves us, Jesus, that's who we're talking about. Jesus who loves you and has washed you with his blood, meaning he died to cleanse you and wash you, to free you. 
and then made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see, even those who pierced him. Oof, man, this is good Bible. If you like the Bible, you be like, you should be having chills right now. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and, and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I love this scripture because it gives us this picture of what the vision of a priest is to be. Who are the priests? Us. If you've been washed by the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? Are you saved? Not a rhetorical question, really asking, are you saved? Who's saved in the house tonight? Who knows Jesus? Who's made a decision? If you didn't, we'll give you a chance tonight or if you haven't yet. But if you are a follower of Jesus, guess what? You are, by definition, a priest. You are called into a priestly role and function. You should be living your everyday life as a priest. Not part of your life, not some of your life. Like we are a generation who loves to compartmentalize. Y'all are good at it. You're like, like dangerously good. Where you're like, oh, I'm just gonna like do a little bit here and a little bit of this and I'm gonna tell these people this part of my life and I'm gonna tell these people. It doesn't work like that as a priest. A priest is a priest all the time. It's who you are. It's who God has called you to be. Once he has washed you, by his blood, then you all of a sudden, you are joined into the priesthood of all believers. You become a part of his kingdom to be priests. Now, what does all this priestly talk about? Well, if you t talked about the Old Testament, I know they've talked about it the last couple of weeks, but I really wanted to preach, so I'm gonna talk about whatever I want. So it might be a review, don't care, okay. Old Testament, the priests, right? Think about it. The Old Testament priests, they were important. They, because of the exile, because of sin, we had to have a mediator. We had to have somebody who could stand between us and God. Who were they? The priests, right? And the priests are the ones who are, you know, they're the ones that are, it, 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 they're the ones that go into the Holy of Holies. The high priest is the only one who can go into the Holy of Holies. He's the one who, who does the sacrifices, who takes the animals, cleanses himself. He can't do anything funky during the week because then he can't go into the Holy of Holies and he can't help you because if you sinned that week and you bring an animal and the priest did something funky, guess what? He can't help you out. So it's like the priests have to be priests, okay? They gotta be on it. They can't just be living funky lives and, and not being honoring God. They have to live in reverence. They were priests. This is the Old Testament. And this is what God had, 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 had instilled, at least into the time of the Old Testament, before Jesus comes on the scene. So we have these priests that have to, anoint, that have to be anointed to be priests. They had special clothing, uh, Leviticus, Leviticus tells us. They're set apart, which was necessary. They had to be set apart. This was crucial because what would it have mattered if just anybody could have gone in there? What's the point? So there was priests who were set apart. They had to be anointed. They had special clothing. They had rituals that they had to abide by. They had to come from a certain line. They couldn't be from a different tribe. They had to be from a specific tribe. And, and this was what God had ordained and had instructed and he had called. And then Jesus comes on the scene and all of a sudden Jesus becomes, Hebrews tells us, the high priest who now is the great mediator. 
Now we don't need the Levitical tribe and these priests. We don't need them. We have Jesus. And now instead, if I do something stupid, if I messed up one week and I sinned and I need some recompense and I need somebody to come and help me out, guess what? I don't have to go to a priest. I go straight to Jesus. This is what Jesus came to do. But what didn't happen was an elimination of the priestly role. And that's what I think has happened over time. And I don't have time to get into it. Maybe one of the messages I will. Throughout church history, what we've seen is we've seen a push away from this priestly role. When you think of priests in a church, what do you think? Catholics, right? Some of you are like, I'm scared. Are we in school? No. I think of the Catholics, right? We, and so we, we've, especially in our movement, we're like, oh, I mean, we're not priests, you know? We don't, we don't do that. Yeah, you are. Just because Catholics have taken it to a, to a level that we, are, we don't abide by, we don't live in such a way. We don't, like, I'm not your father or your mother. You don't come and confess to me. But we do believe in a priestly role. And Jesus has still instilled into our world and the, nece- and the necessity for us to live as priests. We are called to be priests. Now, what is it about a priest that is, that is necessary in our world today? Well, think about priests. They're set apart. You know, when I think about this world right now, I think about a bunch of people. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> when people say, oh, the church is so bad right now. There's so much weird stuff going on. Like, look at what's, the church has fallen apart the last couple of years. Like, people are like, they're saying young people are leaving church by the drones. And like, it's just like, all, all, we got to deconstruct everything. The church is so messed up. Like, there's so much bad stuff in the church. Like, this is like, I mean, if you, if you, if you like present in the church, what it sounds like. Like, if I wasn't, if I wasn't in the church and if I didn't love Jesus and if I wasn't a priest, I would be like, man, the church is in a bad, bad place. I'm like, oh, what are we going to do? It's bad. It's dark. It's, it's scary. But then I, but I don't listen to those voices because I know what God is doing in the church is he's raising up priests who instead of pay attention to all the, the junk and the stuff that we think is like destroying the church and destroying the world, that's not how a priest thinks. A priest goes, oh my gosh, I got a part to play. I am set apart. There is darkness in this world and there's weird stuff going on, but I'm a priest. And I've been set apart to help usher in the kingdom of God in this place. See, the book of Revelation, when John is giving this beautiful uh, uh, depiction and vision of what's happening, is he is describing to us that God's realm and sphere, which is heaven, and earth's realm and our world are not that far apart. That's what the whole book of Revelation is really about is that heaven and earth are closer than we think. They're closer than we realize. See, heaven and earth together is the kingdom of God right now. And in God's kingdom right now, John tells us that there are priests that God has ordained to walk out a priestly role. But what the heck is a priestly role? (laughs) Well, priestly role is not just coming to church. Sorry to burst your bubble. If you're checking off your attendance for this month or this week, I'm just going to tell you right here, right now, God don't care. God do not care. 
Does he love that you're in? Yeah, absolutely. Of course, he's like, man, worship. I, I, he, he loves to hear your worship. But God is not impressed by it or your attendance or how many good deeds you did this week or how many times you didn't cuss or, or you know, like lose your mind or sin in any, in any form. God's not going, oh my God, I'm so impressed today. What he's looking for is a generation of priests who are set apart for the purposes of God, who look different than what the world looks like, who act different, sound different, who, who live their life in such a way that they're drawing people into the kingdom instead of turning people away from the kingdom. We are in this world. And what we do matters in this world. I'm not afraid for the church. I think that's so stupid when people are like, oh my God, the church is in the worst place. I, I literally want to just be like, you clearly have never read church history. You just, you haven't read a, you haven't read a history book. You, you just haven't read it because guess what? I think the church has never been in a better place. I've never, ever believed more in my life that God is on the move. You know what? When the world gets darker, God gets brighter. The church gets brighter. Sure, there are things within the church that God always wants to refine. Sure, sure, sure. But I think we're wasting so much time and energy debating, arguing, complaining, deconstructing. Sorry for some of you who really like that word. But I think we're wasting so much time. I'm like, where are the priests? In all this talk, because we're good at talking. Oh, we're good at Twitter rants. We're good at Instagrams. We're really, really good at, at, at podcasts. Man, we, we thrive on TikTok. But where are the priests? Who go, man, I know there's some weird stuff going on in this world, but I know where the answer is. The answer is in the church of Jesus Christ that he died for, that he laid his life down for so that the church could be the shining light on a hill in a world that is dark and is desperate and broken. You are the priests for your generation. Recently, I was watching um, on Amazon Prime. Um, I don't know why I'm giving such a shout out to Amazon tonight, but sponsor me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be so awesome, actually. Oh my gosh. Um, Oh man, I just had just thought about how great that would be. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I was watching on Amazon Prime. Uh, the, uh, it's called Jesus Music. Have any of you seen this documentary? It's called Jesus Music. Well, um, I'm not like I'm not like endorsing it or any, in, by any means. I mean, I it, it's a fine documentary. There's nothing wrong with it. But what was fascinating to me about it as I was, as I was watching it, it goes through the history of like um, Christian contemporary music and um, starts with the Jesus people movement back in the 70s. Well, see, my mom, my dad, um, when my mom was saved, basically in the G, my dad had been saved all his life, but my mom was in college at Boise State during the Jesus people movement in the early 70s, got saved, spirit-filled downtown Boise. And, um, and, and, and many of the pastors that are my parents' friends, some of you, we strung out drug addict. Dr. Frank Damasio is one of them, was like a total strung out drug addict, like crazy, living on the beach, like lost his mind. You know, Dr. Stan Fleming thought he was Jesus, like walking in the wilderness, like crazy. Th like all, th these, these are men that all got saved during the Jesus people movement. And I mean, we're talking about people as far away from Jesus as you can imagine, right? And they get saved. Well, 
what this, this documentary was pretty cool because it talks about the music that was happening simultaneously, like as these people are finding Jesus. And it was just this simple thing, right? Like just simple churches, simple spaces. It wasn't like, you know, the LED screens and like the smoke and, you know, like, uh, like we're like giving away like a free vacation to Hawaii to as many friends as you bring, you know? It's like the things we have to do to get people to come to church, right? Back in the 70s, this stuff drives me crazy, by the way, if you can't tell. So I, back in the 70s, it was like God was just on the move in these people's hearts. And, you know, uh, simultaneously what's going on in the world is like, obviously the, you know, the hippies are like, you know, just like living like crazy. It's Woodstock's going on. All this crazy stuff's going on. The world is, there's a war going on in Vietnam. The, the world is crazy. The church is, it doesn't know how to handle what's going on. And yet all of a sudden there's this movement of young people just faithful priests who were preaching the simple gospel and were ushering in God's presence through worship, the word, service, love, letting anybody walk in their doors. It didn't matter what they looked like, what they smelled like, who they were, where they come from, but that it was an opportunity and a space for them to come and encounter Jesus. And then all of a sudden, there comes this great movement called the Jesus People Movement, and out of it is birthed Jesus Music, which you are, you should be, you should clap your hands and thank those Jesus freaks, as they call themselves, um, for what they did, because you wouldn't have Maverick City Music today or any of them if it wasn't for, and that's what it shows. It's like the genesis of it, of what happened. As I was watching this, I'm like sitting, Garrison was like, out, um, I think he was like watching the baby for me and I was just sitting in the room watching this. Just, I needed some time. I'm sitting there and I'm like crying watching this. And I'm like, God, where's our Jesus movement? Because as I'm watching it, I'm realizing the world is not that different today than it was in the 70s. A war, people are lost and broken. Drugs are rampant. Do you know that the number one thing that killed people in the last two years is not COVID, is not um, alcohol is not any other thing. It's fentanyl. This is the number one thing that I, is the number one thing that's killing this generation and suicide. Those two things. Guess what needs to happen in our generation, in our world today? A Jesus movement. A Jesus movement. But a Jesus movement requires priests. And the priest is not your pastor. Oh yeah, okay, Pastor Tracy, you do it. Oh, I, we believe, yes, we need a Jesus movement. Usher it in. <laughs> no, you usher it in. It's not a me, it's an us. But we need a generation who wants to be priests. So here's where I'm leading into, and I'm gonna give you a definition and a description of what it means to be priest by using an Old Testament text. Second Kings 17 gives us this. It gives us this picture. The greatest requirement of priest is this, the fear of the Lord. You want to know why I don't think we have a Jesus movement? You want to know why I think that there's not revival in our world? Do you want to know why I think the church is losing young people after young people after young people? Because there is not a fear of the Lord. I'm just going to let that sit for just a second because some of you need to think about, do I fear the Lord? I don't know, do you? Do you fear him? And I don't mean, I'm gonna break it down for you. I don't mean like, I'm scared of him. He's so scary. He's the big cosmic like force that could like at any time strike me. No, I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm talking about an awe and a reverence for God that is so big 
so powerful, so overwhelming that you can't help but be a priest. You can't help. You know what someone who has a fear of the Lord, it's very hard to sin when you have a fear of the Lord. Somebody needs to hear that on this side of the room. It is very hard to sin when you have the fear of the Lord. It's very hard to mess up in life and get out of God's will when you have a fear of the Lord. I mean, you got to work at it, actually. And what the priests of the Old Testament and the priests of today need more than anything else is a fear of the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 17, I'm going to give the text or just context of it. The, the, the Israelites or the people of Israel are, are overtaken. They're, cap, they're, they're taken captive, right? And, and God allowed it. And some of you are like, that seems harsh. Okay, you read the Bible a little bit harder than. God gave them to be cap- dances. God allowed the Israelites and the people of Israel to be cap- taken into captivity. Why? Because of their disobedience. Because they kept repeatedly worshiping other idols, even though God repeatedly told them not to. They were defiant towards God, against God. They, didn't, they disobeyed him. They wouldn't listen to him. And so finally God goes, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. And he allows for the people of Israel to be taken into captivity. So then all of a sudden we have this mixed world, right? There's exiles and, um, and the Assyrians come in and overtake. And now they have people from all these different groups. And it's just like this blended group, right? It's, it's this community, but they're not, they're not God-fearing. And there's less God-fearing people than there are the opposite. My lost my train of thought right there, but you know what I was saying. So here's this community, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to read Second Kings chapter um, 17. And the king of Assyrians, verse 24, if you have it, thank you, brought people from Babylon to all these places. I can't pronounce those. Let's not try. And placed them in the cities of Samaria instead um, of the people of Israel. And they took possession of Samaria and lived in the cities. So there's just this 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 hodgepodge of group of people, right? And at the beginning of their dwelling there, they did not fear the Lord. Therefore, the Lord sent lions among them, which killed some of them. (laughs) Yeah, read the Bible. It's awesome. So the king of Assyria was told the nations that you have carried. And come on, you you think your world's hard. Like God has not sent lions anytime, like lately, at least that I know of. The nations that you have carried away and placed in the cities of Samaria do not know the law of the God of the land. Therefore, he has sent lions among them. And behold, they are killing them because they do not know the law of the God of the land. Next verse. So one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel. So there's one priest. You think you're alone? One priest had come and lived in Samaria and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. Then the king of Assyria commanded and said, send there one of the priests whom you carried away from there and let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. Do we have the next verse or is that my last verse? I can't remember. Is there one more verse up there? Is that it? Verse 27? And carried them to, I think there's one more verse, is there? So one of the priests whom they had carried, so one of the priests whom they had carried away from Samaria came and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. This is what's so interesting to me. They didn't even know God and they still knew they needed priests. And Naboth. I'm not going to pretend that these Assyrians and the people were, it was probably like, honestly, they were just trying to like get on God's good side. I don't think they had intention of like following God, but they knew who feared God. 
And they knew the ones that God honored. And they knew the people who could get God's attention. Do people in your world know you can get God's attention? Are you the generation? Are you the generation of priests that people go, man, if we got those people, oh my word. Like, are you in your workplace the one that people go to for prayer? Are you the one in your school that people go, hey, I'm going through something crazy, like my parents just got divorced, or hey, I lost someone, or I got a bad diagnosis, and they know you're the one that they should go to? To ask for prayer. Who are you in your world? Are you a priest? Or have you been spending all of your time with the wrong perspective, and all you've been doing is thinking about all the things you can't do as a Jesus follower? And so you love God, but then, you know, you've been sneaking downtown every once in a while. Or man, you've been getting on, you know, Instagram and you've been DMing things you should not be DMing. And you've been, I don't know, do we swipe still? I don't even know. I mean, hopefully you all know that's stupid at this point. <laughs> but come on. Are you a priest? Do you have the fear of the Lord? Is it hard for you to sin? Or is it so easy and sneaky and yet you come on Sunday and you're like, God, come on, bring revival. And you're like, this world is falling apart. What's wrong with the church? And you're the greatest critic and you criticize the church like nobody's business, but you're not a priest. And there's no fear of the Lord. And you can lie and you can cheat and you can steal and you can do all these things and it doesn't even affect you. And, that, can I, and I've had conversations with my dad, with my brother, Pastor Chris, with other pastors across the country. And you know what our biggest uh, uh, concern is for this generation is a lack of the fear of the Lord. Because yeah. I'll meet with people and, and they'll be like, yeah, I mean, I pretty much messed up big time. And I'm like, do you feel bad? And they're like, I mean, kind of. I mean, they might not say that, but that's what the feeling and the spirit behind it is. And I know what the root of it is. There's no fear of the Lord. Now, I didn't grow up going, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. I'm so scared of God. What's he going to do? But you know what, how I grew up? I grew up with such an awe and a reverence for God that I was like, God, I want to do your will more than anything else. My greatest fear was getting outside of God's will. That was my greatest fear growing up. I was like, God, I don't want to mess this up because you are too good. And your plan and your purposes are too good. I don't want to mess it up. So I didn't make flippant decisions. I didn't get myself in bad circumstances and situations. Sure, sometimes I did, and I repented. But I always wanted myself to be smack dab in the middle and the center of God's will. Why? Because I wanted to do all these great things? No, because I had a fear of God. Proverbs says this, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of wisdom. Some of you are like, you need some wisdom. Well, let me help you get the fear of the Lord. Start fearing God. What does it mean? Reverence, awe, worship. And I don't mean singing. I mean, come on, you can all sing. Some better than others. And you can all get iTunes or Spotify or whatever, and you can listen to music, but that ain't worship. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that your life is bent towards Jesus. Your heart is cross-shaped. Every part of you is given to the things and the purposes of God. You want his will more than yours. 
You want His plan more than yours. When bad things happen in your life, you don't blame God. You trust Him to work it out for good. That's the fear of the Lord. It's saying, God, you are holy, you are worthy, you are awesome. There is no one like you. Like, I'm not even worthy, but God, you are so good and you're so faithful. And you washed me by your blood. Man, in this Easter season, in this Lent time, somebody ponder that. He washed you by his blood. He loves you. So much he went to a cross so you can be a priest. See, heaven and earth are not so far apart. Heaven's all around. The kingdom of God is right here. In fact, the early Christians believed that because of Jesus and the embodiment of Jesus, the person of Jesus carried out heaven on earth. And so if you have Jesus, you are operating within this new heavens, this new earth, this new kingdom of God. And thus you should be walking as a priest in everything you do. See, everybody wants to be a king. <laughs> we all want to be kings. We all want the favor. We all want wealth. We all want, we all want fame. Who wants to be a priest? Who wants to serve? Where are the servants at? We're the ones who fear and, re and revere God and, and, and would say, God, you know what? Hey, if I, if I don't get everything I want, but I do everything you want, that's enough. Where are those people at? Because that's what the church needs. That's what the world needs. The world doesn't need another famous person. The world doesn't need, another, and God uses it. I'm not saying if you're famous, you're like of the devil. It's not. But I'm saying we, that's what we, we, we like strive for the wrong things. We have this wrong perspective and there's not people like, I wanna be a priest. And a priest means God, wherever you say go, I go. Whatever you say, don't do, I, I won't do because man, there's an awe and a reverence. Look at the priests in the Old Testament. My God, I mean, they met one step and it was like, you're gone. And God is so gracious, he doesn't do that to us. And we abuse that grace over and over and over and over again because God doesn't strike us. And God so patiently waits for us to go. It's like my baby just picking us up. It's not good for you, come on. And sets us back where we need to be. And we army crawl right off. And he goes, oh my gosh, here we go. Okay, and he picks us up. And he brings us right back to where we need to be. Why? Because he loved you so much that he washed you with his blood. And now he's called you into the priesthood of all believers. We are the ones who carry the kingdom of God. What a, what a task. What an honor. What a responsibility that we bear. But man, because of the grace of God, because of his mercy, we get to usher in, I believe, the next great Jesus movement in our world. But you need the fear of the Lord. You need to fear him more than you fear people. I think this generation has become so obsessed with what people think and, 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 and maybe not, I don't know, but definitely we're obsessed with our agenda and our dreams and our will and what we want that it's hard for people to lay it down and choose Jesus. Because choosing Jesus, I'll be honest, most of the time, 
if not all the time, will require you to sacrifice something you want. But this is how good he is. He never takes something from you and then gives you something worse. Like, that's what we think. God, if I, if, I, if I choose this, if I choose this path, if I don't do this, if I don't do my way, my life's gonna suck. And God's like, but I'm God. Like, I'm in control of everything. And he's a good father. And he wants to give you good things. But he needs you to trust him and obey and not be like the Israelites who continually worshiped other gods, disobeyed God did not listen to it when he repeatedly, 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 how many times has God said, stop doing that? And it's not to harm you or to upset you or offend you. God says it because he's washed you with his blood and he's called you to be a priest. When's the last time Jesus said, hey, I know you want this, but I have this. And I know it's gonna be giving up a dream. And I know you've been working at this dream for a long time. But I'm gonna ask you to, to trust me, to lay it down and to choose this. Some of you are living in the valley of decision right now, having to make a decision for your future, for you know maybe the next steps of your life. And I just wanna, I wanna encourage you, live in the fear of the Lord. As you pray through what God wants for you, ask God, God, this is a hard prayer, but I want your will, not mine. Show me what you want, not what I want. Because ultimately what God has for you is the best thing that could ever happen in your life. It is. But you have to fear the Lord. You can't fear this world. Man, this world is good at trying to get you to fear it. And you can't fear people. And you can't spend your life and your energy so focused on you and what you want. See, a priest is not self-focused. A priest serves. Oh my gosh. If we could just stop thinking about ourselves so much. And I mean, don't, don't you know, like take care of yourself. Everyone always takes it to the extreme. Like Pastor Tracy said, don't care about yourself. I'm like, mm, did not. But you know what I will say? Some of you care about yourself way too much. When's the last time you've looked at the needs of others? That's what a priest does. A priest does the work of God. A priest serves people. A priest fears the Lord. A priest is set apart. You were not created to be like everybody else. You were not created to look like this world. You were not created to be like what everybody else is doing. And some of you are like, compare yourself to this world. Like, but man, all these in the band can go, the whole team can come on up. I like it when the whole team comes. Worship team, I should be specify. Everyone starts walking on the platform. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we could do that too. I'm into, I'm into doing new things, you know? But we're not called to look like everyone. We're called to be set apart. And some of you can't distinguish what that looks like. And I think it all comes back to the same thing, the fear of the Lord. How do you get the fear of the Lord? Anybody wanna know? How do you get the fear of the Lord? You ask for the fear of the Lord. You come into his presence and you ask God and you begin to worship God, not songs, not people, not roles, 
not titles, not dreams, not your future, not what you want. You worship God. When you worship him in Isaiah, and I'm, that's not even part of my text, but I'll never get over Isaiah 6 because it's just one of the best texts in all of the Bible. You want to know the fear of the Lord? Read Isaiah 6. Come into the, come into the presence of God and allow yourself to recognize how frail you are and how good he is. You want to know how to have the fear of the Lord? Remind yourself that God loved you, that he washed you with his blood. He washed you with his blood. He didn't have to. Have you ever thought thought of that? He didn't have to. He chose to. He wanted to. Why? Because he loves you. And he chose you. And he has a plan for you. Come on, would you stand with me tonight? God is calling, I believe, a generation of priests. I've never felt it so strong. I mean, maybe I have, but I've just been praying so much the last several months for God to bring a generation and usher a Jesus movement in this generation. We're we're so blessed. We're so blessed to have a community like this. But man, the thousands of people, the thousands of people right now, I mean, I'm I'm gonna get real and it's gonna be graphic to even think about, but there are people outside of this place right now that are contemplating taking their life. There is a, there is an, I mean, it's bad, the fentanyl overdoses. I mean, I've talked to doctors, I've talked to people that work in, in funeral homes, and people are not dying old, they're dying young. There is a pandemic beyond COVID, and it's people who have lost hope. They've lost hope, and yet we carry it I have a cross-shaped heart. I carry it in my being. My very bones carries it. And it is, it, is our, it is our great honor and right and responsibility to be priests to a world that is dying and broken and lonely and desperate for the message of the gospel so that they too will know that Jesus loved them, that he died for them and he washed them with his blood but we have to be the priests. Who's gonna do it? How long are we gonna wait? How many more years? How many more pandemics? How many more wars? How many more destructive things? How many more weird things that the Oscars and everything else going on in the world is gonna wake us up and go, okay, you know what? We need some help. Come on. Who's it gonna be? He's gonna take. How much more does God have to do? He tried to tell the Israelites over and over and over again. He gave them a chance after chance after chance. How many chances do we need before we go, oh my word, I'm a priest and I will fear the Lord and I will teach others to fear the Lord. And I will help usher in the next greatest revival this earth has ever seen. We want it, we talk about it, we sing about it. When will we do it? I don't think God's like, oh my gosh, there's a time in history and I'm just gonna do it. God's like, I'm waiting for priests. 
Because if we really wanted revival, we wouldn't have enough people right now to contain it. We wouldn't have enough priests. We wouldn't have enough people to disciple. We wouldn't have enough people to come and love and encourage people alongside. We wouldn't have enough people to baptize people in water. We wouldn't have enough small group leaders. We wouldn't have enough worship teams or campuses or buildings. We wouldn't have enough. We couldn't contain it. Even if God wanted to do it, because He's waiting. His heart is breaking. God's saying, come on, fear me. Come on, have reverence for me. Come on, be in awe and wonder of what I can do. Come on, trust me. Come on, you can do it. Give up the worldly things. Give up the things that are distracting you. Give up the sin that so easily ensnares you that is demonic straight from the pit of hell. And come on and be a priest for a generation. Come on. I don't mean to yell. I just get passionate. I'm not mad at you. I'm so excited for what God's gonna do. He wants to use you. He loves you. He washed you. He's claimed you. He set you apart. Woo! Man, I love to preach. Why? Because I can see what God is doing. I can see it. I can see stadiums filled. I can see people raised from the dead. I can see broken bodies healed. I can see diseases gone. I can see Him healing. Why? Because He's called a generation to be priests. And you are the generation. You're the generation. You're the generation. It's not the next one. It's this one. It's not the last one. It's this one. The best days of the church are ahead. They're not behind. I believe it with all my heart. The best days. Come on, Alex. You should have 30. Come on. You're a priest. You should have 30 guys that you're raising up. I mean, little boy. I mean, I love how young people love you. Young boys. My My little nephews are obsessed with you. Come on, Alex. You're a priest. You're a pastor. And you're supposed to be set apart. And they're gonna look up to you. Come on, think about it. Can I, and this isn't to Alex, this is to everyone. But if you sat right now and you looked at your life and your choices and your decisions and your character and your integrity, could people really trust you? Could God trust you and entrust you to carry out the greatest revival of this generation? Could he? Or is there stuff that you gotta shake off And do you need a bigger, better picture of God that you have just such a holy fear and a reverence and an awe for God who is so good. He's so, so good. Come on, think about it. Do you come to church? Because man, it's a great thing and I love it. And man, keep coming. I I couldn't live without community. But do you come getting equipped and then when you leave, you're starting to implement all the things that God has done in church. In other words, are you evangelizing? Are you telling people about Jesus? Are you living a life that looks like Jesus? When people see you, do they see a cross-shaped heart? When they hear you, when they see you, when they're around you, do they leave feeling stronger and better and more full of hope and life? Or do they feel discouraged and empty and drained and Come on. It's it's time. It's time. It's time. How many more people have to die? 
how many more pandemics and how many more destructive years and how many more wars and how many more broken stories will it take before we go, God, you, this, is, this is the time and we are the people. Peter says this, he says, we are a royal priesthood, a royal nation set apart. You are set apart. And I'm gonna do something, maybe we do it, I don't know. But if you feel like God has called you into that priesthood, I want you to run to this altar. And if you don't, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, I don't care. You don't have to, please don't do it unless you feel that God has called you revival. Priest for this next great revival. I just, those of you who feel it, I want you to come to this front. If you're not, if you're not totally comfortable. Thank you for joining us today. To stay connected with our community, you can follow us at Capital Young Adults.